0: We're going to continue to look at the parables that Jesus told during his ministry, and today the one that we're going to be looking at is actually only a single verse long, but it is surrounded by a lot of context that help give meaning to the parable. And the verses surrounding this particular parable has to do with how to address division and unity and conflict. this passage can actually be used to address just about any conflict and division that we are dealing with. So this comes from Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to begin reading at verse 22. It says, Then the crowd brought Jesus, a demon-possessed man, who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him, so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions, unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So we see in this passage Jesus teaching the need for there to be unity. And he begins by talking about this principle that every entity that's divided against itself, will fall apart. He says it doesn't matter if it's a kingdom, if it's a city, or if it's a, just a household. If it's divided against itself, it won't last. It will fall apart. Because when something that is supposed to be a single entity is coming against itself, it's impossible for any progress to be made by that entity— even if it's just a single person, if they're trying to accomplish two different things that are in opposition to one another, they're not going to make any progress in either because nothing can make progress unless all of its pieces are in unison. And this is why you can apply these principles to just about any conflict in any division because whether it's something large or something small... It's important for all of those pieces to be in unison with one another and working together to accomplish the same goal in order for any progress to ever be made. If that unison is not taking place, and if there is a conflict of interest, then you'll never be able to move forward from the place that you're at because you're trying to move forward in two different directions that are incompatible. And so you have to bring that together. And this is different than just having two different ideas about how to accomplish the same thing. As long as you're still trying to accomplish the same thing, progress can be made towards that objective. And it's okay to have different ideas and try different methods to try to accomplish that and to bring different people from different backgrounds and different ideas and different strategies into the discussion as long as everyone is trying to accomplish the same goal. Large-scale unison doesn't require there to be small-scale uniformity. You don't need everybody thinking the same way and doing the same ways in order for the entity as a whole to be moving towards the goal that it's trying to accomplish. And you can have some variety in the small scale, as long as it's all working together. If you think about the way that gear cogs work, where you have these different notches that interlock with one another, and as one gear turns clockwise, it actually causes the other gear to turn counterclockwise, and that's how it's intended to work. They can't all move the same way, because then they're stepping on each other's feet right it's the too many cooks in the kitchen mentality they they need to interlock with each other accomplishing different things differently but doing so in a way where it's accomplishing a single goal and purpose so you don't need that small that small scale uniformity as long as you have an overall unity among all of the different pieces, trying to produce the same result. And then if we are to take this and apply it to people, that means that we can't be undercutting each other, we can't be betraying one another, and we can't be trying to come out on top of other people if we want to be able to make any kind of progress with other people. And as people, our free will only extends as far as ourselves. So we can't make that decision for other people, but we can ask ourselves, what is it that we desire? And if we desire for any kind of progress to be made, then we have to desire that there is unity amongst all of the pieces involved. And rather than trying to set ourselves on top or trying to undercut other people's ideas like we have a different opinion from them but you know what if we just do it secretly and and then they see the results of our work then that will really show them that you can't work that way no entity can work trying to defeat itself it has to work together in unison and that desire needs to begin with ourselves to say that I desire to work with all of the different pieces that are here, all of the different people that are involved with this, to work together with them to accomplish this goal that we are setting out to accomplish. Now, with all that said, we still have Jesus' phrase at the end of all of this, where in verse 30 he says, Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now this seems pretty contradictory, because you have him saying that, you know, an entity divided against itself won't stand, and now he's saying, basically, you're either with me or against me. So why does he say that? Is this a change of heart? Is this a change of opinion? No. What's happening here is that Jesus is recognizing that In order for there to be unity in order for all of the pieces to accomplish the same goal That you have to have that same goal to begin with You can have different ideas on how to get there You can have different methods that you want to try but what he does is he divides with a clear line those who are trying to accomplish the same goal that he is and those who are trying to accomplish a different goal. And he makes that division there because he recognizes that unity is only possible when both sides desire it. See, we can do everything in our own heart to desire to work in unity with other people, but unless they desire that as well, it can't happen they have to want to accomplish the same thing that we are trying to accomplish. Because if we're trying to accomplish two different goals, then there's no way that those goals will be compatible with one another. And if that is the case, then we have to make that recognition so that any progress can continue to be made by saying, okay, I'm laying down this dividing line. You are trying to accomplish something different than I am. And so we aren't allies in this. We are opponents because we are trying to accomplish two different things. And the only way that I am going to make progress is if there is unity within my entity. And the only way there can be that unity is if everyone who's a part of that is trying to accomplish the same thing. Therefore, if you are trying to accomplish something different than that, then there needs to be actually bring a divide, bring a division into it in order for unity to be established after the division. And Jesus recognized that sometimes that is what is required for any progress to be made. And especially that was what was taking place between him and the Pharisees, where Jesus was trying to bring truth to the people. But the Pharisees didn't want to provide truth. They wanted to keep their power. And in order to keep their power, they needed to obscure what was true. And Jesus recognized that what the Pharisees wanted and what he was trying to accomplish were opposed to one another. And that's why he says, whoever is not with me is against me. Is that desire on both sides to accomplish the same goal? And if not, then there does have to be a divide that takes place. As a kid, my favorite piece of playground equipment was the seesaw or the teeter-totter. And it was just always what I enjoyed playing with. We have one person on one side of the seesaw and another person on the other side of the seesaw. And you're making it go up and down each side by working together and, and providing the weight that you uh, bring to the seesaw and bring to each side. Now, the seesaw only worked as long as both of you were trying to make the seesaw go up and down. And every now and then there, there would be one kid who didn't want to do that and he wanted to mess with other people. And so he would do everything that he could to keep the seesaw from moving at all and wanted to keep it still. And in those instances, it, doesn't, it didn't matter how much I wanted to keep the seesaw moving. If they didn't want it to move, they could keep it from moving. They could call friends over to add extra weight or they could hold on to something and, and hold their side down. And then it didn't matter what I wanted at that point. Because what the other kid wanted was in opposition to what I was trying to accomplish. And it was not possible for us to both use the same seesaw. The only way it was going to work for me was if I went and found somebody else. If I went to a different seesaw with somebody else to keep that one going up and down. But I could not continue to stay on that seesaw and try to make it go up and down with a kid who just wanted to keep it still and at that point you need to recognize that you either have to change that kids mind or change what you are trying to accomplish or you need to go and find someone else and of course the ideal scenario there is that you are able to change their mind, and you are able to begin to see things the same way, and there does bring that unity into play, where now you are both trying to accomplish the same things. But we have to recognize when that mind is not going to be changed, when someone is set on a path in a direction trying to accomplish something, that is in direct opposition to what we are trying to accomplish, and to have those times when we recognize when unity is not possible. And the reason why that is so important is explained through the parable that Jesus tells. See, the parable in this passage is not the kingdom divided against itself, because a parable tells a story. And this idea that a kingdom divided against itself can't stand, that's not a story, that's an illustration that's being used, it's a picture. The story is in verse 29, where Jesus asks, How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house? Because in this story, in this example that Jesus gives, what you have is a strong man, a house that he is needing to protect, and an intruder that wants to come in and plunder his home. And Jesus in the story is saying the only way that that house can be plundered is if the strong man is restrained to prevent him from stopping it. If the strong man's actions can be prevented, then the house can be plundered. And this ties into the concepts of division and unity, because Jesus is saying that what is necessary to happen in this parable is that the strong man needs to be able to recognize the division between his home and the intruder's. In order to preserve the unity of his home by taking action against those who are intruding because that strong man has the power to stop that intrusion and so the only way it's going to be successful for the intruders is if the strong man can be kept from acting by restraining him with the rope. And this is why it's so important for us to be able to recognize when there is a division that opposes us, that has a goal that is completely different than our own to the point where unity is no longer possible no matter how much we desire it, so that action can be taken to prevent destruction from happening. See, we need to realize that division and opposition left unchecked leads to destruction. And so action then needs to be taken in the midst of division in order to prevent that destruction. Because allowing that destruction to take place doesn't lead to a better form of unity. It only leads to further destruction. Let's use the analogy of a parent with two children who are fighting. And not just fighting as in calling each other mean names and one of them made the other one cry. Let's say it's escalated. And now they're on the ground punching each other. If the parent decides in that moment to just stay out of it and let it run its course, that's not helpful to this situation. That's not making things better. It's allowing things to get work. It's being a neglectful parent at that point because there is a certain responsibility there where the children are not able... stop what they are doing they don't have that right of mind to put a stop to their actions and what they are doing is causing greater destruction and division of one another and it needs that parent that strong person to intervene and step between them and bring that conflict to an end so that it can then be resolved afterwards In a better manner that could hopefully still provide a unity between those two kids going forward you don't want a parent that is abandoning the idea of unity but you also don't want a a parent that stays out of the way of destruction and allows division to just run its course for the sake of unity there is a certain responsibility there on the parent to intervene between this division in order for unity to remain established. That is what Jesus is talking about with the strong man in the house. The only way that the house will be plundered is if the strong man is restrained and tied up. And in order for there to be any kind of unity in that home, It takes the strong man to say, these people, these intruders who are coming in for the sole purpose of destruction stands against what I am protecting and I have to take an action to protect what I have been given for the purpose that it has been intended for and protect that from those that are trying to accomplish A different objective that will only lead to destruction rather than progress. But if that strong man refuses to take any action out of a fear that taking a stand will create division between his home and the people who are trying to destroy, he will cripple himself. To the point where he is not protecting a spirit of unity, he's allowing it to be destroyed forever. This is what we need to watch out for. We can't let fear of division cripple us from protecting and establishing the unity needed for goals of God's kingdom to be accomplished. There comes a point where, like Jesus, we need to say, you're either with me or against me. Again, this isn't to say that you don't still desire unity. We should always desire for there to be a unity with those who oppose us. And one of the whole points of Scripture is the idea of forgiveness for anyone who repents so that there can be unity where there used to only be division. But it's important for us to realize that we can't wait for everybody and everything to be in unity before we're willing to take any action because there won't be anything left after all the dust settles down. So I leave us today with this question. Is there a desire for unity on your side? Are you willing to address where there is conflict so that it can be sorted out in order for you to work as one entity moving forward together to accomplish the same goal? And are you willing to recognize where unity is not possible for the larger entity as long as different parts of that entity are trying to accomplish different goals? You have to take action sometimes to prevent future destruction. So, do you desire unity, and are you willing to take action for it? This has been today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, you can contact me through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you for taking the time to listen.